We're Not Dead, a podcast about a story of survival. Bang, 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 bang. Episode 58 of We're Not Dead, the official community podcast for We're Alive. I am your host, Butt Six McGee, and I am joined by Nick Voodoo. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Surprise! You're on the surprise. show. Surprise! <laughs> it's always a surprise But thankfully, I survived yet another week. It's not just us this week again. We have James with us. Hello! Hello, James. Can I call you James Zor, or is that weird? I do not mind. James Zor. James Capelli. Yes. So, dude, why don't you tell us a little about, like, we're live, if you're act- like, how you discovered it, if you're active on your forums, your favorite moments, you know, all that good stuff. Okay. Uh, well, I got into it right about the beginning of season two, thereabouts. My buddy told me, oh, you've got to listen to this. It's amazing. And I was like, podcast, radio shows. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> then, then he rocked my world, and I was like, I don't even want to go to where we're going. Keep Let's just sit in the car and keep listening to this, please. <laughs> So that was what got me into it, uh, and I've been addicted ever since. I've gotten uh, at least a dozen other people into the show as well. Oh, good for you. Good. Commission. Yeah. That doesn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Are you on the forums? Um, Technically, I've got maybe two, three posts there. You're a lurker. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm more of the Facebook poster. Uh, every cool. time I want to get into the forums, it's like, oh, well... Now the season's wrapping down and there's dead time. Let's just watch all of these posts just kind of not going yet. <laughs> so yeah, just, the off season's uh, not fun. Yes, exactly. It's Motivation so goes up and then it's dropped. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I hear you. Well, right on, dude. So, what would you say is your favorite moment of We're Alive thus far? Favorite moment would probably have to be uh, season two finale. Okay. Because building up to that point, that's like, all right, this is the point at which you know people are going to start dying. People you care about, not just you know, red shirts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the whole, we have to get out of here, we have buildings falling, we have Angel and everybody, and Bird on the Roof, and Bird Falls. It's like, well, what's going to happen? And that was just like so intense. I remember driving and listening to that, and I was like, I should not, I should not seriously pull over at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I remember listening to that. I was just laying in my living room. All the lights were off, and I had it playing on my surround sound system, and I was just, like, tripping balls. It sounded so cool, all the explosions with the subwoofer and everything. Oh. Right, right. I was, I was at work that day, and I scheduled uh, the lunch break uh, for the cast that I was uh, the stage manager of that particular show. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, live show's at 1 o'clock, huh? Guess when we're taking lunch today? <laughs> One o'clock. It's like, like where ah, were you? I love being the boss. The I'm taking a break now, and I'm listening to the show, and I did. And <sighs> our lives were forever changed. Indeed. Well, awesome, James. Thanks for coming on, and I'm excited to hear about all your thoughts and other shenanigans. Good. I'll yeah. be glad you share them. Good. Very good. Hoorah. All right. So the first thing we'll talk about is the title, which is "Unity Makes Strength." James, what do you think that is foreshadowing? Uh, if I were to guess, it's going to be something about either the colonists working together with these people who they're kind of associated, you know, to Michael and all, he ruined everything. Mm-hmm. Either that, or some sort of connection between Colin and Dunbar, working together in some way. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's really my only real thought. So when I saw the title, I was just like, what the heck could this mean? And, you know, more often than not, part one of the chapter doesn't really do anything. 
Exactly. I, for one, think it's, uh, you know, a little nudge and joke to Casey and Blair's wedding. I'm just saying. <laughs> Unity makes strength. Casey, I know I'm right on this. And if I'm not right, tell me I'm right and make me happy. <laughs> yeah. Ignorance I, is Exactly, James. Exactly. Totally. I've been struggling with it just because, you know, Unity makes strength. And now we're dividing and conquering. And I... I I don't see how that happens. Um, everyone's keeping up with the lies, so it doesn't seem like there's going to be much unity. It's going to be that splintered group again, and I don't see where there's unification unless something happens in the next couple chapter parts. Maybe yeah. uh, CJ will get another leg, and that'll like play into the unity make strength. <laughs> Balance of power was a joke at uh, her losing it. So but now unity- it's like the whole story. The secret of We're Alive is that all the chapter titles tell the story of CJ's, CJ's leg. leg. Yes. <laughs> yes. That is what I think. Um, which doc- The war was against... The, the war was totally against her uh, her athlete's foot. <laughs> Zing. Oh, poor CJ. Buzzing. That Kicker didn't happen down, fast enough. Which doctor says, I'm guessing that at some point within the next two episodes, something will happen that will emphasize the need for everyone to stick together. Either they'll start getting picked apart while they are apart, or they're going to eat the zombies for lunch by each person bringing something to the table. Eat the zombies for lunch by each person. Oh, okay. So, there's that theory. (laughs) Um, Solid, solid theory. Solid theory. So, the first topic I have to discuss is Hope Got Told. Someone (laughs) finally shut that little whiny piece of shit up. Good lord. And maybe she always was whiny. She just found Tanya, and Tanya was just like, no... No, know your role, girlfriend. <laughs> um, Hellbringer said, damn. Tanya giving the verbal smackdown to Hope. That too, as much as we all pick on him, did a lot for Hope. Zombie Bane said, I thought Hope's reaction was a bit strange. My god, the girl is getting some vision back. You thought that she'd be a bit happier. I mean, maybe she's going through some PMS. So we, we don't know. Hope's- maybe she's just going through just general puberty. She's, what, 13 yeah, years old? Teenager. I mean, yeah. But, um, she could see perfectly fine before she fell and detached her retina, whatever, and now she got some retina. of it back. <laughs> you know, she was expecting perfection and she didn't get it, and she was a little pissy about it. I don't. She's always she's pissy. a teenager. I don't care. She's always pissy. She didn't used to be. Yeah, I don't care. Well, I don't... She had really? Are you sure? Yeah, back when they found her in the colony, I felt like for the first time she was just kind of lost and stumbled Maybe, around. Maybe, like, her bitchy attitude has, like, imprinted on me, and that's all I can think of her as now. Because I just remember, <laughs> like, when she was with Datu, and they are like, trying to find refuge in the, uh, in Boulder, you know, because all the zombies got blah, 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 blah. And she's like, eh, 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 eh. she's just bitching about everything. This homegirl Ever needs s- to plug her butt up. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. Um... Regardless of, of your questioning my your anatomy of humans, uh, <laughs> you I'm, never know. Maybe she has a leaky button. She needs to plug it up. Okay, what were you saying, James? What the? <laughs> what, okay, no, no. Here's my theory. That would piss anybody <laughs> off. Oh my god, no! How is this even a theory? Stop! Stop! No, bad. She, she plays a nurse one time and she knows all these things. Yes, exactly. See, I'm a nurse. In my nurse Brit knowledge, I know that a leaky butthole makes people upset and irritable. So maybe she needs to plug it up and then she'll start being happy. <laughs> See, this is what happens when we're she not dead. She doesn't need eye surgery. <laughs> she needs butt plugging <laughs> surgery. Oh, God. This is the little girl we're talking about. Okay, James, so what do, what do you think about it? Oh, I don't remember. What was it? Oh, my about? God. It doesn't matter <laughs> oh, anymore. Oh, right. <laughs> Ever yeah. since she got back from from uh, Boulder, <laughs> yeah, from Boulder, that that's that's when I've been feeling this. Oh, okay. Oh. Doctors driving and then getting out of there and everything. I was just like, man, she used to be. 
I was like, oh, I could see why this character isn't likable. And then she's like, no, you're just going to make me angry, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> you don't you like wouldn't me like me when I'm, when I'm angry. angry. There you go. Ah, uh, same thing. So I, I'm hoping, you know, we don't need to be a dead hope here. But, uh, yeah, I'm hoping Ugh. she kind of was put in her place and she'll just stop being annoying now. I mean, and not anything bad, like, reflected upon the writing or the actress. It's just, you know, she's her character. No, the, the right. character needed the verbal smackdown. She got it. Hopefully she grows. And if she doesn't, oh, well. She's a teenager. She'll get over it. I really hope she does. Word. I like I like when Datu wins. Yes. Everyone loves when Datu wins. Okay, so let's talk about Miss CJ. So we've seen a little bit more of her and her planning and all what's kind of going through her head, sort of, kind of. So, James, what do you think about CJ and her plan to uh, kick Saul and Victor out? Initially, I was very upset, you know, as to be expected. You know, some of the best characters like, no, I'm just mad, you're gone. I was like, oh, I don't know how I feel about that. But then, you know, you stop, you think back, everything she's gone through in, what, the past two days, then rewind the past week, and then rewind the past month, she's alone for what it's 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 two or three months since her initial tower fell and she's just living on her own first of yeah, all was, mental stability yeah. questionable at that point right mm-hmm. uh second of all finally gets her hopes up i'm not really sure what the whole enough about hope james different. jeez stop talking about her says the butt <sighs> fuck lady. No, <laughs> <laughs> i like you I, I can i can say things too you yeah. can continue i like um, you already well, now you threw me off. Oh, right. So she was living on her own for a while. And then she talks about, I thought you guys were different. And that made me think, like, different from who? Because as far as we know, there was nobody in her initial apartment building that was out to get her. Mm. You know, nobody who was against her or anything like that. Just the, uh, you know, zombies and whatnot. And now you've got her living alone for a while. And now she's here. Oh, maybe she had a really hard life before all the zombie crap started happening. So, you know. I'm sure Casey puts a lot of thought into back, you know, the backstory of these core characters, and she's probably been burned a lot, and it's just she finally built up the trust to trust Saul and Victor, especially mm-hmm. Saul, and you know, all the talk of maybe she and Sean as a couple. Who knows? There's more light to be shed on her backstory for sure that'll probably bring some more clarity to some of the rasticism she's made. Okay. <laughs> she also had a bunch of people ditching out on her from Dunbar too, so that probably is part to play into it. There were people that were just leaving because they didn't like the way that she was leading or they were getting picked off one by one, whatever the case may be. So that's probably another part of it is she was going to be very slow to trust and then she finally did and now it got her burned again and she's not going to trust anyone ever again and that would lead her to make those rash decisions. Um, let's see. We have a few theories. One from some Undead Sweeper. So CJ calmly and sympathetically Figures out how to run Dunbar. Oh, systematically. Figures out how to run Dunbar. The colony and the attack plan. We are also talking about her having a bitchy attitude. I don't know, but her handle this. But she handled this matter pretty well. The only person stirring the pot is Riley. I wonder if she would have gotten the bitchy title for her last action. So, on that note, we can talk about Riley. Riley, Riley. The only one that knows what's going on without knowing what's going on. <laughs> did was it? Did you guys think that it was kind of like, really, like, how would she figure out that there was something else going on? I mean, does that, did that seem like a logical conclusion, or do you think it was just kind of rushed for the sake of storytelling? Uh, I think it might, be, it might have been a mix of both. Mm-hmm. Uh, with Riley's character, she's always been kind of like that, you know, trying to understand people a little bit here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, there's some time lapse that goes over with everybody learning things. She's emotional. She's just sitting there literally thinking. Okay. I, 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 could see, I could see her coming to that conclusion reasonably. Okay. What do you think, Nick? Yeah, the thing the 
thing with uh, Riley is that when you're sort of angry and sort of pissed off at the world, man, your tinfoil conspiracy hatch is is permanently attached to your head. So everything <laughs> everything has ulterior motives. Like, well, why is she doing this? That makes no fucking sense. Why is this doing this way? Why is this happening this way? Oh, maybe because and she just happened to stumble upon the correct answer, mm-hmm. but no one's going to believe her until it's probably too late. Um, so except I don't know. I, I'm I just yeah, except for Bert because you know Bert is God for all intents <laughs> purposes. <laughs> but yeah, you know, just when you get cranky and angry, man, everything just seems to go against you, and you're like, "Why the fuck is this happening? That makes no sense at all." And mm-hmm. she just happened to get to the right answer fast enough. Gotcha. So hardcore and Hoffer D both gave Riley props on knowing, you know, what the scoop was. Turbo said, "I think Riley is going to go ape shit on CJ and sink up to Dunbar. She, along with Saul, does not want to let go of Lizzie again, but also wants to kill Scratch pretty bad. So maybe Bert will go too and plan from there." What do you think Riley's next steps are? I do not see her confronting CJ at all. You think I, she's going to be a sneaky squirrel about it? Oh, I think so. Well, maybe she'll confront that. She won't go wave shit. That's for sure. I, I, there's really been nothing that she's ever done to make her go wave shit. She, you know, she's been really pissed off the whole time there in uh, Florida when she just complains to Michael, which is, in her eyes, the best she can do. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe she could snap. It's the final season. Anything could happen. Yeah. Give her some of that special sauce. You never know. Alcohol. Uh, Nick, what, <laughs> dang it. Nick, what do you think um, Riley's going to do? <laughs> I, I don't think that she confronts... Well, if she does confront CJ, I don't know really why. I feel as though at this point she wants nothing to do with anyone right now except for finding Scratch. She's made that abundantly clear. Bert wants to help her. I think that if they are going to go, they're going to go on their own accord. They're obviously not going to ask for permission because they're not going to get it. So if she's going somewhere, she's collecting supplies and she's going out on her own. They're not going to get so, it. And I also feel like they just don't care. Oh, no, I don't think they they definitely don't care about the permission. They're just going to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If that's what you're talking about. Yeah. So let's talk about Michael. How do you think uh, Michael's character evolved this episode? If at all. I think it's pretty interesting seeing him now in the second in command role. Mm-hmm. You know, because it's either been him as a leader, doing well or poor, or him as a grunt. You know, and now that he's got somebody who can plan things, it's it's it's, an, it's a it's a fresh point of view to see him not just doing well at it, but accepting it. Okay, Nick, what do you think? Yeah, when he was behind Angel, he was never behind Angel. When he was behind Kimmet, he was never behind Kimmet. When he was behind Bert, no one followed Bert anymore, really. Um, and Michael did what he wanted to do anyway. So yeah, this is his first official time as a number two, and he's seemingly okay with it. And that's bizarre. And I don't know how I feel about it because. You know, I feel as though for the story to go forward, Michael needs to be in charge because he's the driving. He's one of the driving forces of the story. Oh, that's so, a good point. Yeah. So how is he going to end up? I can see Michael. Yeah, end up being in charge. I can't imagine. See, C- I mean, CJ is a prominent character, but I don't think she's like she hasn't been with us, you know, since the first season. So I think right. at the end, people want to see the original crew, you know, fighting to the death. Oh, uh, what I think is going to happen uh, is. One way or another, either with terms going to be good with CJ or not, uh, Michael is going to take his crew to go, you know, zombie hunting and whatnot. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be the leader of that one. Pretty definitively, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Whether they're stationed in Dunbar or jumping from safe house to safe house, who knows. Uh, we have a theory for a thought from T. River Rat. And they say, one is that Michael is vulnerable, probably due to the curveball that pegs through at him. 
Much like when Bert took yeah. over the tower for a short time, Michael's going to go with the flow and allow himself to be a subordinate. I don't blame him. It's tough to handle the stress of being a leader and always having to project an image of inner strength. I sense that Michael doesn't want to be a leader so much as he just wants to be able to protect those he cares about, which usually means disobeying orders, taking command of stressful situations, and following his gut instincts. Now, James, I heard you scoff over there when it came to pegs. Any uh, thoughts mm-hmm. about that? What what don't you like about her? Uh, I honestly, I think the the, the writing for her was a little weak, especially in her introduction. Mm. You're not really given much of a purpose for her, which they definitely bring up, you know, near the end of season two when she gets a task of being the helicopter pilot and all, but it's like, in the storyline, her main premise is to kind of give Michael some grounding as far as, you know, the, the relationship goes. But even then, I felt like I didn't really feel the genuine... In, the genuine... I didn't feel the relationship being genuine. Mm, okay. Um, which they're kind of talking about now when she's saying, I don't know what I felt, you know. I, for the, that whole time, I was like, you look good for you, Pegs. I like... I'm glad you're doing this, because, I mean, really, that's kind of what I thought the whole time, is the relationship was just, what was, it was founded on, this is the apocalypse, and I'm kind of lonely, and, well, you've got muscles. (laughs) (laughs) No, that's it. I like your uniform, (laughs) sir. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's an interesting point. I have to say, out of all the characters, I just have never really grown attached to pigs. Like you said, you know, her purpose is kind of, well, you know, and in the beginning, she even says, you know, what can I do? Sure, she can fly a helicopter, but that's not for seasons later. And so, yeah, it's kind of, I wonder if it was intentional, though. You know, there's not a lot to like about pigs, even though some people do, just because we don't really, I don't feel attached to her in any way. And, And, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, you could kind of see that with a lot of people in a life or death scenario. You've got people like Michael who have the training, the experience, and whatnot, and then you've got people like Pegs who they they're forests. They don't necessarily have survival skills. They need to be protected. Yeah. Well, she she managed the garden. Don't forget about that. Oh, sorry, Pegs. I forgot all the, the cucumbers. <laughs> Man, this this is just a big old hate on Pegs party. Well, no, Nick, feel free to speak. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying how I feel, I man. mean, I understand. You say how you feel all you want. I ain't going to say nothing bad about it. I'm just saying that the character of Pegs has that story arc where she goes from worthless to being needed to now rejecting Michael on their relationship, which, honestly, the the awkwardness of their relationship falls on Michael, and I think everyone really knows that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, Pegs obviously put forth the effort and tried, and Michael just is Michael, and he just can't do it. He's not equipped for it. So I, I, that may be part of the reason why so many people are just so down on Pegs is just because she's mean to Michael now and didn't serve a purpose and then finally shot a gun and killed someone and now it's like a big old problem but, because know, now it's... Scratch is trying to kill everyone because of Pegs. <laughs> I think it's a realistic character, though, to have in this story because, like Definitely. you were saying, James, there's – not, there's your florist who aren't going to have anything jack shit. Sure, Pig just happened to know how to fly a helicopter and she ended up shooting someone of like the family. But, you know, right. uh, yeah. So, I mean, when I say I don't really bond with Pigs, it's not because I, I don't know. I, it's not that I don't like her. It's just she's kind of boring. She doesn't connect with you on that base level that someone like even like Kelly or Victor do because, right. you know, of their just extremely perverts. cool, fun personalities. Like, yeah, Kelly's a heinous bitch, mm-hmm. but you grow to love her. Oh. You love her for it. Never because thought that she would always says it. <laughs> I know, yeah, isn't I it hated, great? I hated Kelly at first, too. Yeah, who didn't? 
All right, so let's move on to Lizzie. So Lizzie is going with Saul and Victor. Uh, what's going to go down with Lizzie? Any? I mean, we don't have a lot to go off of right now. We didn't really learn a lot, but... I'm going to gonna go out on a limb here. I'm going to assume she uh, has a baby. <gasps> That's just my theory. No way. Why would she have a baby? Is she pregnant? That's what I've heard. I mean, Scratch is a, is a liar, so who knows? Yeah, Wouldn't true. that be interesting the whole time... Scratch just fattening her up. Oh, you're pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> that would be funny. <laughs> we faked this ultrasound. <laughs> Liam Carrington says, What will happen when Lizzie starts to understand or learn about the situation of Saul and Victor? Will she explode and go all drama, or will she feel the departure and do anything to keep the colonists away? How do you think Lizzie, I mean, I think we all know, she'll probably end up finding the truth out about what of happened. Course. You know, but I think she's a reasonable person. Granted, she is pregnant and hormonal. So, I mean, I can't imagine anything huge will come of that. Maybe she'll hate CJ forever, but... I think that there, there's a conversation between her and Riley in this last one uh, about, you know, maybe Saul and CJ. And she's like, oh, Saul would never do that. Or what would CJ do? I'm, I'm going to think that Saul's going to try to keep it from her for whatever intents and purposes Saul probably would think oh, it's not important when we talk about it. And then, so she's going to try to figure it out. And it's going to be Saul, why didn't you tell me? It's all going to happen at this crucial drama-filled moment. And then they'll be all right. And no one will die because of There you go. And whatever <laughs> we feel, that's what happens. Indeed. So now one of the main questions is, well, actually, before we move on to this, let's talk about Saul and Victor at the colony. What's going to go down? Are they going to make it to the, I mean, not the colony. Are they going to make it to Dunbar? Are they going to get attacked? Are they going to be followed? How does Scratch fit into all of this? I don't think we're going to see Scratch for a while. Yeah, I agree with that part. Scratch is, Scratch is off our radar for a long time, and everyone, everyone keeps coming back and saying, well, Scratch keeps coming back so quick. And it's like, you know what? She really wasn't around like much at all of season two. And the reason I brought up Scratch is because a popular theory is that Saul and Victor are going to go to Dunbar, and Scratch is going to ambush them, or she's going to follow them, or she's going to be there, or what have you. Even if the Maulers follow them to Dunbar or a safe house, there's not really anything they could do with the level of security that CJ has put up there. They know where it is, but how are you going to get in with all those traps and everything they've got? I think that'd be kind of a moot point. Okay. What are you going to say, Nick? Oh, yeah. I, I, I cannot buy into Scratch being at Dunbar simply because if she didn't know how to find it before, she doesn't know how to find it now. She can't. I, I have a hard, hard time believing that she's going to be there. Now, everyone also brings up that the SWAT van was stolen and taken away, and she has it, and there's probably plans there or something leading back to Dunbar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, sorry, I just don't. I don't believe it. Uh, I will gladly eat crow if I'm wrong, but yeah. I kind of, yeah. And at that point, I mean. Where does that project the story? Then we get into another Mauler, in Mauler Tower fight, and it serves no purpose because there's no pegs involved because she's not going. Mm-hmm. So we once again are spinning our tires on that part of the storyline. And if Bert and Riley go with uh, the crew on Dunbar, then, well, that ends that storyline pretty quickly. So another uh, thing that's been going up around about Saul and Victor is how they left. Um some are kind of wondering why they left without a fuss. Others think they did the right thing. So one uh, comment we have is from Magnum, who says, Come on, this is a great podcast, and I really enjoy it. But really, I have a hard time believing that Saul and Victor were just easily complying, not tell anyone. 
there would be a lot of resistance from the more people from more people they wouldn't just fall in line cj shows up and they're all bowing down to her so much emphasis on who's in charge i don't think many people would say okay cj i'm gonna go it alone because one person said to go i think she'd probably disappear if someone tried to flex that much authority and then an opposite, when all is dark, said, I think Saul and Victor probably did the right thing, leaving without a fuss. The only reason I thought Saul wouldn't leave quietly would have been if Lizzie didn't go. I don't think he would be that worried about leaving his mom there. I, I agree with that second there. Definitely. Um, because at the, at the end of it all, Saul's a soldier. He cares about the people. Mm-hmm. If he were to stand up and say, you can't make us leave, and therefore I'm going to tell everybody everything, the you know, colonists are all just going to panic again. And he knows that, and it would just be another disaster scenario. As, as long as he's got Lizzie, and as long as he knows his mom's going to be safe and can visit, whatever. Mm-hmm. I'm sure he doesn't really want to go, but he knows kind of where the priority of people lie. Right. That's a good point. I agree with you. He's taking one for the team, in a sense. Mm-hmm. But not really, because he probably would have done the same thing. What do you think, Nick? It's very, it's pretty self-serving on his part to not create the stink, because now it lets him get away, and he still gets what he wants, which is Lizzie. Um, he does have to give up Lady, but as he said, I mean, if nothing else, he's got a tower full of cats. Why would he want a dog there? That's just not nice at all. Everyone's going to be like all high strung and running around. Um, <laughs> but you know, I, I still don't know why he decides to take this path because CJ really has nothing on him. He really doesn't. That, there's nothing. Uh, yeah. He lied. So does CJ. They all lie. Everyone right now in the podcast seems to be lying, and that's a huge problem. But that's another thing altogether. Except Bert. That's because Bert's awesome. Yeah, well, he, Bert's God, he, like Nick said earlier. Yeah, he, whatever he says becomes truth. <laughs> yes. Okay. The thing everybody wants to know about is uh, <clears throat> Nurse Brit. <laughs> oh, <for the> <laughs> Christ. It's my first time on, even I'm already. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's going to be a thing that happens, and... Uh, that's all I have to say about that. So for anybody who, you know, might not be <laughs> completely aware of who this character is or isn't. <laughs> the character is nuclear waste. Oh, no, I copied and pasted a theory from MG, MG, M, MG Murray. Let me see if I can find it. It was pretty good. Oh, here you go. Nurse Britt was vaporized trying to diagnose a nosebleed at Fort Irwin while the atomic blast. Oh, I lost it. Something, something, mushroom cloud. Oh, if she returns to the series, it will be as a piece of charcoal used by Scratch to write her last words on the ground where she lay dying after Riley fires a vodka drenched flaming arrow up from her simulated scar ridden face. Or she may just come back a zombrit. So. I, 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 I like could see theory. either of those, yeah. <laughs> okay. Nurse Britt to chop the charcoal bit. It's going to happen, you guys. I'm just telling you. All right, so uh, I know Nick has some emails, but do you guys want to tackle any other questions, topics, theories, questions, uh, comments? I like what wouldn't mind talking about uh, the end of the series. All right, do it. Because um, I don't know if you guys remember this, but during the season three big finale, uh, whatever, the live mm-hmm. show, uh, I got the chance to call in uh, at the end of it. And I talked to Casey a little bit about the ending of the whole show. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, personally didn't want to pry for any, you know, spoilers. You know, right. albeit his uh, sobriety was questionable at the moment. <laughs> for Casey, uh, we got you know we got into talking about how far he had he's planned it. You know, learning that he kind of planned it somewhat from the beginning. Mm-hmm. It's it's nothing too extravagant, I, I guess is kind of the word I'm going for. Uh, mm-hmm. In the sense that. 
you could see it ending that way. So I, I guess when it's all said and done, I know Nick, you think that uh, it ends with um, what's his name, Pinstripe? One with, the one with the markings. Yeah, that he's reading yep. all the all the diaries and whatnot. But you know, where does that leave the character? Is that kind of a sad, you know, sad ending? He loses. I don't know. Do you think it's going to be a happy ending, sad ending? What do you think is going to kind of lead into that? They're all going to oh, go to well. Mars and leave Earth behind. I, I guess the spaceship will be powered by a nuclear Brit too, right? I was oh, about to say that. fuck yeah. off, dude. <laughs> okay, but seriously. Um, I mean, in my in in my happy ending, air quotes, my happy ending, the one I'm sticking to for the moment, with the one with the markings reading everything, everyone's dead, and he finds Michael's like conglomerated journal of all of what's happened, and he just has a nice hearty, deep, I'm the one with the markings laugh, uh, and says, "Leave her." You know, I'm Paul, or you got a strange sense of happiness. It's happy for him; he won. <laughs> I can't it's all argue a matter of perspective, actually. my friend. <laughs> Touche. Um, Touche. But that—that's how that you know zombie stories tend to end poorly for the living. They do, for, you know, like Shaun of the Dead, which was hilarious. Right. Um, I mean, because if you think about it, like you said, Nick, they're all zombies, right? Like, what are they? All, unless they all starve to death, okay. But yep. there's just no feasible, really, way that you can ever have a happy, joyous ending in a zombie film. It's just not physically. I, just, I disagree. Simply oh, yeah? because this is not your traditional zombie story. Okay, so. You know, we, we still have no idea what caused the outbreak. It wasn't, you know, just a strained virus that went bad. It's not some sort of government experiment that went bad. It's something to do with these cracks. <laughs> something right. from under oh, the earth, possibly. On. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, screw me. Oh. Yeah, she did. She, she giggled at the word crack. <laughs> some news. That's <laughs> what I do. Uh, okay, so what do you think, Jameson, would be like the ideal ending? Like, what oh. would happen that so everybody would be happy and joyful and whatever? Well, if we're going on Nick's definition of happiness, that not everyone's going to be happy. Someone's going to someone's going to lose. Right. Um, we know. A, for, first off, I'm pretty sure it's safe to say the Maulers don't win. Mm-hmm. It's going to be either Michael's crew or the zombies. I'm pretty sure they're going to find some way to beat the virus back at some point. Um, the big question I want to know is, how's the rest of the world doing? And uh, yeah. if 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 the humans do win, let's say Michael beats them all out, they they're victorious, hurrah! I want to know how are we going to learn about that? Is it going to jump forward ten years and then it's just going to be like the last two minutes, or there we see helicopters with Japanese flags or something like that? You know, just, um, but one one kind of flaw that I thought of with Nick's theory about the, you know. You know Markings dude reading everything is mm-hmm. remember that all the journals have now been uh, converted into digital format, which means that the zombies are going to learn how to use computers. Which I mean, oh. if the zombies win, then we have zombie internet, which that would be interesting. <laughs> hmm. uh, but so that's like how advanced are these things going to get? Because clearly the guy with the markings is getting more and more advanced with you know, getting inside these towers and you know. Tattooing, controlling mm. things, and where does Randy come into all this? I don't know. I don't. I don't think we really have all of the pieces of the puzzle to predict how Casey's going to end. Fortunately, we do not. Um, going back on what you were saying about, you know, you want to know how the rest of the world is doing. That might be something that we don't hear about during this We're Alive podcast. But you know, yeah. I know Casey wants to go back and revisit probably and tell different stories throughout in the universe. Blah blah blah. So maybe we'd hear about something that way. Yeah, it's because at this point, there's no way to really know how the rest of the world is doing because Los Angeles is now completely cut off. Um, it was already cut off in the first place, but then, you know, Kim had always said that 
it went out to the East Coast and we lost contact. And, you know, at this point, I don't think communication with the rest of the world is really going to happen. So I don't know that it gets covered in the series. Mm-hmm. I know that KC has grand ideas of what has happened because we, uh, we've spoken about that on other interviews and podcasts. And I just don't know that he's it's I just don't think it's going to get incorporated into the show. It may be something that. When there's like a wrap up, it's like, hey, what is actually happening with the rest of the world? And he will explain. Maybe but I don't think it's covered in. Yeah, it's just not covered in the canon of the show. It's just not going to be able to be there. Mm-hmm. Word. Interesting. Well, only time will tell. Yeah, that, yep. that is very true. <clears throat> so, Nick, did you want to read a few of those emails? Oh, sure. Why not? Um, so thank you guys for all the emails. There's been, you know, a whole bunch of them this week and I'm going to try and get to some of them. Some of them are very, very long. What I will do is the very, very long ones I don't get to today. I'm either, I'm going to post them on both Facebook and the forum. Um, so you can find us on Facebook at we're not dead podcast. And the forum is www.zombiepodcast.com slash forum. And we have a handy dandy. We're alive and or we're alive. <laughs> we're not dead section i just confused my podcast um so one email uh and this is going back to an old theory which we haven't actually brought up in a very long time because i think that we had um sort of resolved this in our own heads about um riley's sexuality but this one's coming back hello podcast i'm a new listener and i enjoy the show i do not uh and i do want to let you know you're all doing a great job and i enjoy the show and uh in enjoyed the show in queen's episodes Queen's episodes, I think, is autocorrect. Oh. Uh, want to start off by saying the character Riley is gay. She likes them tall and blonde, but never said who. If you listen through the first season, Angel and Riley were having a conversation about going into the field. Angel uh, stopped and stated that she was going. he was going to work out. Riley said that at least he tries, and it was at that point she mentions having something for females. I think her attraction is to Lizzie. During the episode, I have witnessed uh, Michael become uh, point number two. During this episode, I have witnessed Michael become a pussy. CJ just took over, and Michael is a pussy. I hope he means uh, man's up, and I hope my email makes it to your show. I'm a huge fan of We're Alive and We're Not Dead. Thanks, guys. Take Such care. And that's from Peter. Wait, when when did Riley say she has a thing for females? Never. I don't think never directly she- said. Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I remember, thought, okay. I was like, no, because remember that was one of the unanswered questions from season one was, um, like Riley was saying, oh, like I'm tall and blonde, and Peg said, oh, you mean like Angel? You, yeah, like Angel. Exactly. Okay. I th- yeah. And there was that cons- the conspiracy theory. Right. Not even a conspiracy theory. It was the double entendre that was purposefully written into the show mm-hmm. to confuse the lines between who Riley liked, be right, it Lizzie right. or Angel. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So that that was that, and I think that we've, with the way she's reacting to Angel's death, I think we have pretty much confirmation that she meant Angel and not Lizzie, but there was purposefully that little thing thrown in there just to make you think about it. Yeah. I used to subscribe to the whole idea that it was Lizzie that she was into for similar reasons, you know, the whole tall and blonde, and then she kind of laughs and, you know, never really pursues Angel, and he's definitely trying, but with the you know light shed at the end of season three and kind of with this last chapter of her sitting at his grave and she's not so excited to see Lizzie that it's like, oh, she's definitely in love. I think mm. that that is kind of settled in my opinion. Yeah, see, for some reason, I mean, I at all points, but I have a, a lot of, like, dude friends and, you know, like, I could see Riley just kind of 
being like, you know, well, I feel really bad that Angel died. You know, I know he kind of had a thing, but, you know, a good brosif and he's dead now. I, to me, I feel like if she was, I know she, if she was really in love with them, I'm, I see her that she's pissed, but I feel like she would be like, I don't know, a lot more girly about it, but maybe not. She maybe, also had a long time to get over it. I guess we only really saw the, uh, her sit by the grave reaction. I don't know. I guess I'm just not totally convinced yet that it wasn't Lizzie she was talking about. Maybe she's talking about both of them. It could be, but I feel like as soon as Angel was written off the show mm-hmm. in, in the manner that he was, I, I feel day. like that was <laughs> the greatest day of my life. Ah, are you kidding me? Angel's the best. Now go on. We'll talk about it. Uh, no, I I do miss Angel every once in a while. Don't get me wrong. Um, but once he was written off the show in the way that he was and the manner that we are now finding out about it and all the characters are finding out about it. I feel like that has got to be it. Lizzie is still around. That creates a bizarre conflict right now with Saul and Lizzie and blah, blah, blah. I just really think that it's Angel and it's got to be Angel. Yeah, I'm still not... Yeah, I don't know. We'll see, though. I mean, I, until I hear her say, like, I loved Angel or I really liked Angel or something, maybe now she knows that Lizzie's, you know... Not maybe. Yeah, maybe that's what she's, she's gotten pretty close. Like, you know, he was all alone and scared. He wasn't dying. Why does everyone keep saying that? And, you know, I had to say goodbye once. Now I have to say goodbye again. And I, I feel this is as close as we're going to get. Because, you know, that's just so blatant. I loved him until, like, until she puts an arrow through Scratch's throat. Like, right before that happens. Says, I loved him. Ping! Okay, yeah, she could say that. That's I fine. Think- if thing if okay like as as of right now I I'm still not 100% sold that she was talking about Angel or that she okay. whatever whatever but if thing if we if I don't get like that confirmation that like solid you know cuz we still have you know several episodes to go then I think I will stick with oh yeah okay maybe it was Angel but until like we get that to the end can't I just can't because like i said you know mm-hmm. i said i have a bunch of guy friends not just because i have a bunch of guy friends but i could see myself in riley's shoes being that upset and feeling that way about a really dear friend of mine but th- there was no romantic interest you know True. but anyway um okay and i'll do one more because there's another one of short ones and it's uh a glenn and pete theory oh gosh um Greetings and salutations. I haven't looked on the forums to see if this is a thing, but I feel like Glenn and Pete have been compromised by the Maulers. One thing you guys haven't mentioned is the SWAT fan and the fact that Pete is the most likely thief. He was locked in the pit with it, and when it was driven away, he was no longer there when Bert uh, did his matador routine with Arrowhead. Also, I found their exercise for delay leaving the safe house unsatisfactory. Uh, I believe they were caught by the escaping Maulers, gave up the info about the sat phone, and then Scratch sent them back to fix the phone and make the call in hopes that it would bring Pegs back. The time frame works, and we know that Casey likes to use long absences for nefarious purposes. Thank that's all. Uh, that's all I got. Thanks, Dan. Thank you, Dan. Thanks, um, Dan. So, I don't know. What do you guys think about the idea of Glenn and Pete being in cahoots with the Maulers, be it uh, willingly Greg or unwillingly? Miller. <laughs> that bastard. <laughs> You're going to have to he, explain. What's this whole SWAT fan stealing thingy? The SWAT fan stealing thingy. Um, when in the midst of chapter 36, uh, when there was the whole assault, um, the SWAT van was stolen, although I thought it was just used to break a hole in the wall. So that was actually unclear to me, um, and I missed it. So apparently the SWAT van is stolen with the implication that it was Scratch and her team of maulers that have done it. 
Um, and people are, and this particular emailer says that Pete and Glenn were involved. The sat phone part, I don't understand in in this theory because the sat phone call was already made at that point. So is the van still missing? To the best of my knowledge, yeah, I think it's gone. I think that it is in Mueller possession, I guess. And and you know, if it's not in the colony. Uh, as I thought it had been used as just a battering ram to break part of the wall so they can get out. But then again, when you think about it, there's a bunch of zombies out there, so if they ran out on foot, they're dead. So I guess they took the van. Um, but, I, you know, I I have hemmed and hawed over this. I'm going to ask Casey uh, right now, hopefully, and uh, see if he gets back to me. While we're still recording, I'll let you know. Right on! Well, guys, we're about the 45-minute mark. So I guess I'm not going to get that answer before uh, we stop this then. No, Quick, but... Try it out. <laughs> out even more. But, uh... Quick. What? Play some music. Okay. Done. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Great. That was wonderful music. Wonderful music. Um, uh, yeah, that's all the emails, really. Um, there is one more piece of promotion to do. I don't know if you want to talk about that, Britt, or if you want me to do it. Oh, uh... With uh, Tammy You go right ahead, deal. man. Go do it, son. Cool. So that's going to make it even harder to text uh, Casey at the same time. We'll get you an answer next week. How does that sound? Uh, yeah. So you, well, um, stay tuned. We'll, we'll get you next week. <laughs> yeah. I'll let you know where the SWAT van is later if he'll tell me. If he won't tell me, hmm, intrigue. Um, Tammy Klein, also known as Kelly, the bitch lawyer, uh, has a new uh, sci-fi thing that she's working on. It's called Space Opera Society. Uh, we posted about this on our uh, f- uh, Facebook page. You can check that out. Uh, or you can go directly to her site, which is spaceoperasociety.org, which is spelled exactly how it sounds. So, again, spaceoperasociety.org, and check out a project that uh, Tammy Klein is currently working on. Oh, there you go. So that's that. There you go. So that's a, it's oh, really wow. cool. To, yeah, it's really cool to see what the actors and actresses are doing, you know, outside of We're Alive. And it's always nice to support them. We all yes. love them very much. Even Maybe. Elisa Elliott, who's pissed. <laughs> well, she, she's great. It's, she, it's, it's the character. I oh, no, no. I'm just, everyone else is fucking around. She's very sweet. Um, yep. All right, guys. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode. James, thank you so much for coming on. My I think I think we need to plug stuff. We didn't really do that today. Plug our email just addresses? Email addresses, websites. If really James Everybody knows where to find us, Nick. Good God, we're the- there are new people listening every day, Nurse Britt. <sighs> this is the sort of mistakes like, that led you to get to become nuclear waste. Like were you not listening? It's charcoal, Britt. Now, oh, sorry. Oh, charcoal, Britt. James, get out of here. <laughs> 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 I have nosebleeds to diagnose and paper cuts to bandage. But if you would like to get in touch with us, you may do so at we're not dead podcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on the Facey Bookies at We're Not Dead Podcast. Mm-hmm. You can find us on the forums, zombiepodcast.com slash forum. Uh, Twitter on WND Podcast. Is there more? Um, Just yours, mine, and whatever James wants to plug. Okay, so you can find me on Twitter at, at Blonde Nerd, my website, BlondeNerd.com. Uh, my Twitter is NickVoodoo, N-I-K-V-O-O-D-O-O. And James, where can people find you if they want to? Ah, I'm usually found on Facebook and the Twitter. Uh, either my James Capelli is my Facebook name, and my Twitter would be Sarah Capelli. That's S-E-R Capelli. C-A-P-E-L-L-I. Beautiful. 
that was cute how we Lovely. did that that plugging. You know, we were all like on a, a train. Like we we knew what we were doing. We're on the same it's, wavelength. It's teamwork. It is teamwork. All we right. Have syn- so we have a synergy going. Peach bondage you. night. It doesn't happen much, but when it happens, it's Bondage great. night? What? Whoa. I said bondage hey, night. Now. What are you? I thought, <laughs> plugs and this. I don't yeah, know. I call me the perverted one. I know I did that one on purpose just to fit in. Yeah, good job. All right, so for James, for Nick, and for myself, thank you for listening, and we're out. Bye-bye. Goodbye.